0: They had the samba, that was one, and the rumba, and those would be two of them. And then there was other different types of uh, of uh, music, or uh, of dancing. Right. Uh, what we see now was just... Uh, the rumba and the samba were two all right, and then there would be such a thing as the quick step. The quick step was a well-known jazz dance in those days. Right. Yeah, they took it to be a foreign word and something alienated to Irish culture and something that if it broke in in all all probability that dance, in those days the clergy would call it a moral, as far as I can see. And uh, they wanted the the, the Irish dance, like the four-hand reel, which was a more open dance, if I might uh, describe it that way, where the four stood one facing the other, besides uh, dancing round close to close, as we call it.
1: God bless you, Father Conniffry, wherever you may go. You've set a good example to the people of Cologne. No more we'll wear the shoddy stuff from England or from France. No more at balls are concerns. The immoral jazz will dance She likes I never liked
2: But she likes
1: that's my weakness now
3: By the beginning of December 1933, Father Peter Conifrey, the parish priest of Clune, County Leitrim, had decided that enough was enough. The whole thing was getting out of hand. It was time for positive action. So, he wrote a series of letters to the highest dignitaries in the land, both in church and state. And, no doubt confident about the ultimate success of his crusade, he began to organise a march which would take place in the neighbouring town of Mohill on New Year's Day 1934 it would mark the official commencement of the anti-jazz campaign.
0: a little boy in those days. And uh, I remember we cycled into it. And uh, a very, very large crowd gathered in Mohall to attend. It was uh, known as an anti-jazz rally. And uh, Canon Masterson, of course, joined in with him. He was a great man for everything Irish too, and he had no delay in getting Canon Masterson to come on the platform along with him. And there was a march passed through the town, and uh, in fact, uh, the then uh, was he prime minister at the time. and Devalle. That's right. Yes. He wasn't even invited to come. He was very sympathetic with him and did write him a beautiful letter. Did M. Devalle at the time, and uh, he was sorry, of course. Both men are very much occupied. He couldn't come, but he he sent a strong representative. Uh, uh, really, I just forget now who came, yes, but he was represented right. at the rally and said that he backed up Father Conniffy in every way.
4: Right. What, can you remember that day? Obviously New Year's Day, it mustn't have been a very... very. No. It, uh,
0: in fact, it was a very bad time. It, uh, it was a great surprise that so many did turn out as came to it, and
5: uh,
0: it, it was cold. Was it it? it was, cold. There was frost, even. and uh, But Father Conniffy wouldn't wait till good weather. When he thought of a thing, it had to be put through immediately. And where did you march, actually? You well, uh, the, the bands formed up at the railway station. And they marched on the full length of the town. There was a platform. The platform was just on the high part of the town. Now you go up there. At the time, there were Canning Brothers uh, that uh, owned uh, owned the uh,
4: bar. Do you remember any banners being made? Yeah,
0: there was banners, of course, slogans and the like of that. uh, What was written on them? Well, you would get something like No Fortin culture con- in Ireland, sure. that was one, and uh, we went over Irish music, that'd be another, and, uh, and uh, various then, things like that. Was there any shouting or chanting or what? was it quite marked? Uh, uh, no, it was peaceful. Yes. Uh, of course, Father we would want to have it peacefully, he, he was a great man of the law, of course, and wanted to keep it in the law. There, was, there were chanting the slogans all right as they came on the street, but uh, there was no need for any police force or anything, they were all very law-abiding citizens.
3: Father Peter Conifrey was at the time a well-known priest in the area. A charitable man, he was also well-known for the severity of his religious practices. While he was serving as a young curate in Athlone, he became friendly with members of the Franciscan order and, influenced by their ideals, he sometimes walked the streets barefoot in reparation, as he put it, for the perjury committed in Athlone courts and also for the violation of the Sabbath day. When he was transferred to the parish of Killow outside Longford, he started his cottage industry system, which was a revival of arts and crafts, old customs and traditional Irish music. In the 1920s, he was invited by the RDS in Dublin to stage the Killow Home Industries Exhibition at the Spring Show, and he was also involved with the Gaelic League in his own area. He carried on with this work when he became parish priest of Clune, where his home became a focal point for traditional music gatherings. Maggie Mitchell was a young girl growing up in Clune at the time.
5: He lived at the parochial house in the village, and he used to come to the school, um, teaching us the catechism, and was very strict about it, and had us well prepared for confirmation. And um, I think he, he
4: was very he, careful, see even how you were dressed. Yes,
5: wasn't he? exactly, he was very strict that um, you know, long sleeves, and that her clothes are proper and all that. And um,
4: and if you wore short sleeves, what would happen? Oh, he wouldn't want that. Yeah. What no. would he say?
5: He'd just tell you not to wear those yeah. and have long sleeves the next day. He loved the Irish music. I, as children, we used to go to his parochial house for about half an hour at night and um, do the dances, you know, as the musicians played. We would only be allowed to stay half an hour. As soon as we had our dances done, we had to leave. And all the children around the village came in, you know, at times... Every month or so he'd have something like that happening.
4: He wasn't very fond, I believe, of of jazz music.
5: Oh, no. He resented that very much. He just wanted the Irish music and nothing else.
4: And do you ever remember him saying anything about that?
5: Well, I do. I remember on the altar. He used to talk a lot about it, a lot against it, you know. He just wanted the people to um, learn the Irish music and play it.
3: And indeed, Father Confrey's obsession with the growing influence of what was loosely termed jazz music went back to the early 1920s. Writing in the Catholic Pictorial, he condemned it in no uncertain terms.
6: Jazz is an African word, meaning the activity in public of something of which St. Paul said, let it not be so much as named among you. The dance and music, with its abominable rhythm, was borrowed from Central Africa by a gang of wealthy Bolshevists in the USA to strike at church civilization throughout the world. They know perfectly well the part this abominable music had played in bringing the austere Roman civilization into the dust and they employed this engine of hell to do the devil's work.
3: But despite his best effort, the dreaded jazz continued to become more popular and so on New Year's Day, 1934 the inaugural campaign march took place through Mohill, Father Confrey having received encouraging responses from Cardinal McRory, Eamon de Valera and Douglas Hyde, although their letters to him signified a support more for traditional values and culture rather than a specific ban on jazz music. But on the platform that cold New Year's Day in Mohill, Father Confrey's fiery speech set the overall tone for his great anti-jazz campaign.
6: The abuse we are declaring war against! is far worse than that of drunkenness or landlordism. Action is needed to be taken by the church and state. The government should circularise each guard's barracks, forbidding the organisation of such dances. Young teachers should be trained for the teaching of Irish music and dancing. And the government should compel the closing of dance halls at 11 o'clock. I appeal to political parties to give up their disputes and unite on this question and put down this jazz.
3: Also on the platform that day was Sean Ogo-Kallig, a leading member of the Gaelic League and he was equally uncompromising in his stance.
1: We utterly condemn the broadcasting of jazz programmes from the broadcasting station (laughs) and I must say to you that even our own Minister for Finance, Sean McEntee, has a soul buried in jazz and is selling the musical soul of the nation for the dividends of sponsored jazz programs. He is, in fact, himself, jazzing every night in the week. Well, I did not help to put him in. As far as nationality is concerned, The Minister for Finance knows nothing about it. He is the man who will kill nationality if nationality is killed in the country.
3: So, almost before it had begun, the anti-jazz campaign suffered a severe tactical blow. The public criticism of a government minister could not go unanswered. And the Fianna Fáil deputy present on the platform, Mr Ben Maguire, had quickly to depart from his prepared script.
1: I must say that the remarks by Mr O'Kelly about the minister pain me. I agree that broadcasting was not as national as it should be, but if the Minister for Finance is attacked as, as personally responsible, I take up the challenge on his behalf and I hope it will not pass unanswered and that the minister will be given an opportunity of defending himself.
3: The government would, in fact soon respond to this public insult in a very direct way. But in the meantime, Father Conifery pressed forward with his campaign and sent a resolution to all public bodies in the country asking them to condemn foreign dances and the broadcasting of jazz music from the Etlone station. The national newspapers gave headline coverage to the campaign and soon the whole country seemed to be trying to define what jazz music was and some interesting discussions ensued. The Dublin Corporation meeting of January 1934 and among those seeking enlightenment were Mrs Maud Walsh, Mr Cahill, Mr Cormac Branagh, T.D., Mr P. Belton, Mrs. Clark, Mr. D. Healy and the Lord Mayor himself, Alderman Alfie Byrne, T.D.
1: I move that the letter be marked red. I second that motion. I propose that the letter be approved. But there's no no, no, no jazz at all now. You do a good deal of it yourself, Ah. Lord Mayor. Now, you would not call old waltzes, the and such dances jazz. (laughs) I second Mr. Brannock's motion. For centuries, this country has stood out for national music and dancing. And here we are in 1934, following the music and dances of the Negro. It's a, it's a desperate state of affairs. Before you go further, Councillor Healy, the citizens of Dublin are not following the dances of Negroes. Oh, what else is, what is oh, I challenge you to go into any hotel or ballroom in the city and point out anything that could be described as following the Negroes. Oh, and... No. Nobody has any right to make that charge. I think the whole
7: thing is a disgrace. I suggest your lordship
1: to go into the round room of the mansion house any Sunday night and you'll see clean, healthy national dancing. The letter is
4: in connection with the radio station. And as there is no jazz now from the radio station, there's no need for the letter.
1: Well, I'd like to know what jazz is. And would some of the members of the council give a demonstration of it for me? <laughs> <laughs>
3: And while the members of the Dublin Corporation were no doubt giving a demonstration, the monthly meeting of Waterford Corporation was no more illuminating, with Mrs Conway, O'Donnell, Jones and Quinlan expressing somewhat personalised viewpoints.
1: I have not read the resolution, and so I don't know what it means. But there's no such a thing as jazz music at all. It has been done away with for years. Jazz consists of dances called the Black Bottom, the Shimmy and the Charleston. Now, these are not danced today at all. You couldn't call old-time waltzes, of course, jazz, because they are good music. I believe we do get a good percentage of Irish music broadcast from Athlone. Well, here's what I think of
6: jazz. It is only a beer dance, and I hope the banning of jazz dances would have the effect of preventing drinking in the town hall on those occasions.
8: I'm not so much against jazz as the fostering of foreign dancing... While I support Irish dancing, I know that there are people in the country who are not partial to Irish dancing or music, and I do not wish to inflict my point of view on them. I would be in favour of giving every facility to those people if they wish to enjoy jazz music on the wireless, but I think at the same time Irish men and women should support their own music and dancing.
1: I want to refer to the fact that at a meeting of the committee of the Gaelic League held last month, it was decided to close the Gaelic League rooms to Irish dancing, which was being taught by two young ladies there. These girls are teaching Irish dancing, and yet they had Mr Sean McEntee acting as a judge at a fancy dress ball in the Grand Hotel Tremor, not so long ago.
3: So the dastardly Minister for Finance, Sean McEntee, had been rumbled at last, his crime acting as a judge at a fancy dress ball. Very sinister indeed. But at the annual convention of the Gaelic League in County Mead, the secretary, Mr O'Quinn, had no doubt where victory lay.
7: The Gaels of Meath, have, in a very practical way, done more to oust jazz than any form of propaganda could do. The failure of jazz in Meath is due to the resurgent spirit of young Gaels and the depraved excesses alleged to have been a special feature of recent years. These factors are more effective weapons to crush out foreign civilization than all the resolutions that could be passed by public representatives or marked red by the pillars of a foreign civilization. <laughs>
3: But, on the other hand, a member of Wexford County Council, Colonel Wise Quinn, had the temerity to describe the resolution as idiotic and narrow-minded. And, at a meeting of the Clare Vocational Education Committee, a newspaper report indicated at least one more voice of moderation.
7: Arising out of the resolution from the Gaelic League, condemning foreign dances and jazz broadcasts, the very Reverend P. Vaughan, President St. Flannon's College and Chairman of the Clare Vocational Education Committee said it was not fair to attack the Dublin Broadcasting Station in the manner it was being attacked. Jazz was only broadcast during the sponsored advertising programmes, and then only very little of it. He thought a lot of people were talking about jazz, and they did not know what it meant. He asked for a definition of jazz. Mr O'Nagel, it has a very bad name anyway. The Reverend Chairman, there are worse things in the world. I think we ought to mark the resolution red. Mr Collins proposed and Mr McMahon, County Council, seconded the adoption of the resolution. The seconder said 2RN should give more time to Irish traditional music. The Reverend Chairman said that 2RN broadcast Irish music every night, and he thought there was something else behind that agitation against what was called jazz. Mr Collins, what is behind the agitation is that no jazz whatever is required in this country. The resolution was adopted.
3: Much of the debate now began to centre around the broadcasting of jazz music on radio at loan. Mr Joe Gallen at the Donegal County Council meeting was in no doubt.
9: I heard the programme one Sunday from 2RN and I thought it was scandalous between jazz and all the rest.
3: But it was a different radio programme that now became the centre of controversy. Sean O'Callagh, unabashed by his Mohill speech, was due to broadcast a lecture on radio the following Sunday, ominously called Irish Culture, Its Decline. The government stepped in, however, and fearing that Mr O'Callagh might use the opportunity of a live broadcast to resume his attack, Banned the broadcast and the newspapers at a field day, linking the ban to rumours that the offending jazz music was now being curtailed by order of government.
1: Control of radio music. Minister's plans for less jazz. Censorship right used for past few months. They cancelled broadcast.
8: The programme of jazz music from Radio Athlone is being gradually curtailed as a result of efforts made by the Minister for Posts and Telegraphs, Mr G Boland, during the past few months. This kind of broadcast was included in the sponsored programmes, the contractors for which paid for an hour over the ether each night and interspersed the programmes with advertisements from their clients. The Minister always reserved the right to censor all matter broadcast. He has been gradually exercising this right over an extended period. When recent sponsored programmes came on, classical music and military marches were broadcast instead of dance music as originally announced. Last night, during the sponsored hour, orchestral and military music were broadcast. The Minister exercised his influence a long time ago to have the words of a foreign type of goodnight song, with which the programmes were concluded, excised. Now only the special incidental music is broadcast. Similar action has been taken in connection with the broadcast of what has been condemned as jungle music and crooning. The Minister, it is understood, was willing that the revenue derived from the letting of the radio facilities should be foregone, rather than have them serve to advance jazz. No objection is being raised to the broadcast of ordinary dance music, but the Minister felt that some of the sponsored hour might be devoted to the playing of music of a more serious kind. A reasonable arrangement in this respect is well on the way to being reached. The contractors for the sponsored programmes met the Minister's demand whilst pointing out that a large number of their listeners were overseas.
3: So now there was the double irony. The government was banning a broadcast because of Sean O'Callagh's anti-jazz stance against the government which in fact was in process of curtailing jazz music on air. Most of these objections were aimed at the ubiquitous sponsored programmes, a hybrid form of broadcasting which had emanated from the United States. In October of 1930, a London firm, Radio Publicity Limited, had received a contract to organise some sponsored programmes on 2 and, using a Dublin advertising firm, found sponsors such as Sweet Afton Cigarettes, the Independent Newspapers, Findlaters, and perhaps the best-known, the Irish Hospital Sweepstakes. These programmes netted the princely sum of a £100 a week, and in return, the makers were given a measure of independence in terms of programme making. In order to broaden their appeal, they concentrated largely on the playing of popular music, and so attracted... Not only the antagonism of the anti-jazz campaign members, but also members of the Radio Advisory Committee, who periodically took decision to take them off the air, only to be frustrated by monetary needs. Meanwhile, a still defined, Sean O'Gallig set off to address a meeting in Black Rock Town Hall in Dublin, and in Leitrim, Father Confrey went on the attack again at Ballinamore.
6: Although the meaning of jazz has been explained to me fully, there were some people still in the county asking... What is jazz? Let me say this to you. The anti-jazz campaign excludes no dance that is in keeping with public Christian decency. No one could make anything out of the jazz dancing and there's no music in the jazz tin squealing. As far as I am concerned, it is a question of defending Christian religion and faith while we have it. One of the greatest offenders in my opinion are the civic guards. We have guards all night jazz dances advertised even since the anti-jazz campaign started. This is a disgrace and President de Valera should be ashamed of his face to stand by and allow this conduct to be carried on. The Minister of Justice should take action and should have good Irish ceilies organised in every barracks every week or month. And not allow the guards to be carrying on with their pagan dances all hours in the morning. It is uh, also a very well known fact that in most cases there are bars open at these all night dances. And people attending them are blinded with drink. It is time for the government to open its eyes and see to it that the abuse should end. While I speak to the government I also speak to the church. And I say that the priests will want to waken up and see that this terrible and abuse of jazz dancing ceases. There has been much criticism of Sean O'Callag because he criticised the Minister for Finance. Well, I admire Mr. O'Callagh for having the courage of his convictions. Why should not the Gaelic League criticise Ministers of State when they do anything not in keeping with Irish traditions?
3: And meanwhile, it was left to a paragraph in the World Radio magazine to put the whole chain of recent events into perspective.
7: We have all seen musical comedies in which high officials of Ruritanian governments break into song and dance on the least provocation, but no one expects to find such incidents occurring in actual life. In the Irish Free State, however, the recent controversy about broadcasting foreign dance music had produced a remarkable accusation by Mr. Sean O'Callig of the Gaelic League who had stated that the soul of Mr. Sean McEntee, the Free State Minister for Finance, is steeped in jazz. One of the consequences of this allegation was that a broadcast talk by Mr. O'Callagh was cancelled at the last minute, and the future action of the Gaelic League remains to be seen. I know nothing of Mr. McEntee, but I find it hard to believe that any minister outside a musical comedy can really possess a jazz-steeped soul though an hour's dance music at night may well be a pleasant relief from those damned dots which harass the lives of some chancellors of the Exchequer.
3: And so the great debate continued. What was jazz music, and how big a threat was it to traditional values and culture? It was, of course, the period which marked the beginning of the era of mass communications. Talking films had commenced, gramophones were more readily available, and with the introduction of radio in Ireland in 1926 and in particular the high power transmitter in that loan in 1932, a change in popular musical taste was beginning. The Dignan brothers, Patrick and Mick, were young men growing up on a farm near Carrick and Shannon at the time. More enterprising than most, they had bought and assembled a crystal set in 1929 and enthusiastically tuned in not only to 2RN in Dublin, but also to the BBC in London and to foreign stations like Toulouse. They were both interested in traditional music but now the new music fascinated them.
10: A brother of mine, Mick, he was a violinist, pretty good too, and I, uh, he asked me what I learned in the clarinet, and I started off on the clarinet. That would be about between 1933-34, around that area. And um, we started in, we got a few locals, and we started up a group, trumpet, uh, clarinet. I was on clarinets at the time, and trumpet, another chap, local, and an accordion, the old type. So we what ca- did you call yourselves? We could call ourselves the Nevada at that time. Later on, we called ourselves McDegnan, was the bandmaster, like, and uh, we called it McDegnan's band. That was a few years later.
2: Well, there was very little music at the time, you see, around. And I was learning the violin. I was taught by a man named Pat- Patrick McDonough, Paddy McDonough. And what kind of This would
4: be traditional music.
2: Traditional music.
4: Yeah.
2: And he got in on jazz. We got copies of jazz music. And I used to, after that, I used to get them from a lady from America. She was May O'Brien. She used to send me the copies, the latest copies. At the time, and uh, then there was three of us used to play at all the dances around, like for a few shillings, very little money at the time. Oh, yes. And I started. I got a set of drums, and I got other instruments, and eventually I got into trumpet, saxophone, piano, accordion,
4: banjo. The definition of jazz music at the time, now, I think uh, it was slightly... It was very rare, um, It
2: was very rare when I started. There was no... D- it was all a kind of akeley music. And the trend came in then. Wireless came in. And it brought in the jazz thing. And I got in on it at the time.
4: Now, what kind of tunes would you regard as jazz music then? Or what kind of dances?
2: Well, there was... The Park Strut, the Quick Step, and we used to put in the old time waltz. It used to come in as jazz too. Was we used to call it jazz? And we had the rumbo, We had various other dances the...
4: Would you go in for Charleston, the Charleston or anything like that? The Charleston, was that one? Yes, of the, the
2: Charleston. Yeah, ah, we had that too. Yes, with
4: all the things they like called Black Bottom and all sorts of dances like that. Yes. Yes. You've heard of those? The
2: Black Bottom, yes, that came in,
4: yes. I suppose it's hard to recall the actual tunes, but is there any very well,
2: way we back... We Have then? No Bananas was the first tune ever we played. I always remember it. We Have No Bananas today.
4: And that was popular?
2: That was the most popular one
4: at right. the time.
2: Came in, that's what brought in jazz.
4: And what kind of da- dances did that? how did they dance to that? What kind of dance did they do to that on the oh, floor?
2: That, oh, that was, a, that was a quick step. Right. No
4: quick steps. and were they were they able to do quick steps
2: oh mm. yeah, oh yeah, got in they were, they were scarce at the time, like to do you know what got in and like, when they saw other people at it
4: and how did the dancers yeah. learn learn the steps?
2: just you now, I f- picked them up when they looking at them, they were shy for some time, you know, get out, know, but eventually they picked them up, yes.
3: So, given this type of reaction to the new music and dancing, Father Conifery was naturally finding it difficult to sustain the momentum of his campaign. And, even in his own parish of Clon, he was achieving only limited success. He was really
0: very down on jazz music, all right, because uh, he wanted to foster the Irish music. And, uh, in fact, he went so far as to close one little dance hall here in Clon and uh, yeah, uh, announced of the author that there wasn't to go to it. He took, a, he felt so strongly about uh, jazz music. And was that said, Doherty's? That's Doherty's Hall. It's, uh, it's there yet, but it's used as a garage now. And was it closed all the time? It, it was, was closed for, no, not all the time. It would be closed for about uh, a two years or that. And what happened then, of course, the youth of the country started going away to other parishes and going outside of the parish and through time it realised or transpired that it um, wasn't a good thing. Shaking the blues away Unhappy news away
8: If you lose you to do Shake off the cares and problems Telling the blues to go They
6: may refuse to go But as rule the rule are closed, you'll shake them away Do like the darkies do Listen to a creature way down south They shake the body soul with shape, a lucky break ruling there's no way,
3: way. So, in fact, the anti-jazz campaign soon began to fade away into oblivion. Mick band met with no local opposition. Indeed, many of the local priests, when they realized that the dance hall was a ready source of income for badly needed parish funds, soon virtually controlled the running of the dance halls, the box office returns helping to overcome their distaste for the music. But there was one token show of resistance when Mick Dignan's band introduced amplification for the first time.
10: I know we were playing in a hall, Tulsk, one time, and we put to, we're after getting an amplifier, and the clergyman there said, no Africans, no fear. <laughs> he didn't want it. So we said we'd pack in and go on. Oh, go ahead then, he says, play away. So Say. that was how we came round to that. Okay.
3: One of the more reasonable complaints at the time about the spread of dance halls was that the dances went on until the early hours of the morning in most areas. And while joy may have been unconfined for the dancers, it was very hard work for the musicians, who were not exactly overpaid.
2: And I remember in Fianna Hall, the shutters, there was shutters. There was no light coming in at all, or any artificial light, which was colour which was gas or gas lights. And in the morning, someone opened the shutters and it was daylight. Pure daylight, half seven in the morning at Christmas time.
3: Apart from the novelty of the modern music and the new dance rhythms, the dance halls had the added attraction, namely that large numbers of young people came together for the first time, extending the bounds of parishes and counties, even though the facilities were somewhat primitive and very few dancers could afford the luxury of a motor car. Bicycles,
2: bicycles the clips in their trousers and clip, throw the clips on the bar of the bike. And in Mancha, they had a special place for made for the bicycles. They had frames made in Mancha Hall. And that's outside Elfin. They had special frames made for the bicycles and the man in charge of the bicycles there only. No such thing as a the motor car at that
4: time. Right. And obviously uh, they had to make their way home. This is, I think, somebody said a lot of, People got the old TB from that going home in the morning to the dance. Well, the
2: dust, yeah. the dust was the biggest problem. We had a piano card, and we started to, to clean it every every three or four dances. There was, and they used to put paraffin oil on the floor for to make it slippy. Paraffin oil, and the smell of paraffin oil used to linger on for a long time. And, uh, and and they used to have wax, the candle wax. They used to cut up candles and shake it on the floor to make it slippy.
4: A lot of uh, marriages and so were arranged through these dances. How did, how did this happen at the time, that people had no cars and things? Well, they generally, the ladies uh, used to not cycle much
2: at the time, and the fellows had bikes, and they brought them on the bar of the bike to the dance. And they had to leave them home again, naturally. And
4: <laughs> The beginning of?
2: The beginning of courtship. And, you know, it was a means at that time of bringing people together and... A lot of marriages developed, oh,
3: So, popular music and the dance hall became a feature not only of urban, but also of rural life in Ireland. And the bands began to include a mixture of old-time waltzes and Cayley music numbers also in the repertoire to please all tastes. Father Conifery went on to set up the Clune-Cayley Band, which broadcast regularly on radio in the late 1930s, and his home industries became so well known that Clune Parish was locally called Box de Clune. Today in the village a memorial stands to mark his dedication to traditional music and culture. Ironically, it was the broadcasting service that suffered most of all, as less and less of the modern music was played. And in 1935, even the Jack Payne ban from London was refused permission to broadcast. and This ban was only gradually released over the next decade. For an overall assessment of this strange episode and its apparent contradictions, writer and broadcaster, Dermot Brannock.
9: Well, in the broader sense, when you think of the Gaelic League, which was uh, 50 years of age practically, no, 40 years of age only at that time, the early 1930s, uh, the Gaelic League, from the very beginning, had been identified with uh, an anti-modernist uh, movement in matter of dancing and singing and everything like that. And it, it wasn't only the Gaelic League. You must think of the writers, such as W.B. Yeats, the shoddy as the shabby sort of songs coming from England, the vulgarity of all of that coming from England, as they saw it at that time. Uh, There was a a general movement almost from the beginning of the century against that. Um, I think also the church weighed in there with the uh, Gaelic League because the church in its turn was suspicious of what was modern. It saw rural Ireland as being the seat of all (laughs) virtue, practically. Uh, And... Uh, although they may have been against the Gaelic League in other matters such as uh, its effects on the missions abroad if Ireland became Irish-speaking nevertheless generally they saw the Gaelic League as an ally in the battle uh, against um, the drift to immorality this probably became even more so after the First uh, World War sexual immorality was associated also with freedom uh, the, the, the greater freedom that people were now enjoying uh, motor cars had come in, bicycles had become far more common uh, the possibility of travelling to dances outside of one's own parish had come up so that by the 1930s um there was, uh, with radio commencing, it. radio provided with something being run by the state, which the people could control, and it was inevitable that when they couldn't attack what was going on, for instance, in a cinema quite as easily, although the censorship, one must also remember the censorship had only come in in 1929 but one could attack uh, through the politicians what was going out on radio. So uh, all of those sorts of factors, I suppose, combined to bring something to a head, uh, which was provided, of course, by the South Leitrim thing, was the main flashpoint, as it were, where these priests came together and organised all of the people... The other thing, I suppose, is just to say something in favour of those people who are against jazz, or so that we may more easily understand them, that they were hearing jazz, many of them, for the first time, and it must have sounded, and is, does sound, far more sensual than a reel or a jig or any any European music that we know of, or most European music that we know of. Uh, And I... can give evidence about that in respect of my own mother who wasn't a narrow woman by any manner or means and when we got a radio first around 1949 she came into me one day and she said well do you know what that bill crosby she you think listening to him that he was in awakeness
8: Shaking like a leaf on a tree that's coming loose from the stem. Shaking like a leaf on a tree because I'm coming loose, my man. I'm like a weeping willow, weeping on my pillow. For years and years there ain't no sweet man. That's worth the soul
6: of
1: my. Young teachers should be
6: trained for the teaching of Irish music and dancing. And the government should compel the closing of dance halls at 11 o'clock. I appeal to political parties to give up their disputes. And unite on this question. And put down this jazz.
8: We've brought beans like bunions and cabbages and onions. And all kinds of fruit they say We have an old fashioned tomato A nice Jersey potato But yes, we have no bananas We have no bananas We have no bananas We have no bananas Today, we got no bananas.